I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, everyone. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. We're so excited to have you. Yes, you. Exactly. Did you say you. excited, bid? We're excited, bid, to have you. Yes, you here with us. You. That means you. You. Right yes, now, you. Driving in your car. Right now, sitting in your house. Right now. Trimming weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What we used to have doing? a big tr- uh, weed trimmer. Uh, nursing following. your daughter. I hear people say that, too. Nursing your daughter. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Nursing your our baby. Yeah. We met someone at the workshop that we taught who well, she was saying she listens. I forgot where she said she listens, but like, no. Well, she's, she's cleaning. She's uh, She oh, does janitorial stuff. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, and no one knows that I'm listening to sex. Yes. I know. I was like, I like that. We she, love teaching in Utah, by the way. Oh, my gosh. That was how fun. much fun was that? was amazing. It was, we're going back there in July or August. 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 We're going to be back in Salt Lake City. So tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. We taught a sold out workshop at Blue Boutique. And we're going to do two because it, we were so popular. So popular. Utah really wants to learn about sex because, well, we know why. So we're happy to go and teach you all there, and we're happy to return. Uh, this episode is very exciting for us. I know we say that for every episode. This one is another episode that and really is I'm like kind of nostalgic. It brings up some nostalgia if I say I'm saying that correctly, specifically because I learned so much from reading the the book. Um, one of the books that this woman Sherry Winston wrote uh, is been a revolutionary for me in the human sexuality field. So we're super excited to hear learn more about the women's anatomy of arousal, um, about arousal desire, how female bodies work, and the science behind it. And uh, what we didn't know years ago, what we know now, and tools and tips for partners, etc. As I say, if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. Well, you will be, you will be knowing. You'll be in the know. Wait, I want to know about the, all the margins. Why did you see the photo? I sent you the photo of all the, the wine that's coming out. Was awesome. Oh my uh, god, all these beautiful bottles. Of if you wine. are a new listener, if you're not. This will be new information. Marginswine.com. Check it out. Unfortunately, she doesn't ship to Utah. That's I know. not because she Utah doesn't want to. Utah wanted the wine, too. They yeah. were like, I wanted wine, like, but I can't get it. I know. Utah. So uh, the next release is going to be April. So that's when this episode airs. It's about the beginning of April. Um, and she's coming out with two different Chenin Blancs. One is a skin-fermented Chenin Blanc, which I think is pretty exciting. Uh, then a rosé of Mouvedre, Mouvedre, my French accent, Mouvedre. and then a Pet Nat Chenin Muscat Blanc. So all of these, remember, Megan Bell makes um, underrepresented uh, wines, meaning the varietals of grapes that she uses are um, not really known and from underrepresented regions, so different parts of California typically. And the last one is a Pet Nat Pinot Noir. So you're going to have a rosé, a couple of whites, and a red. So you don't have to buy by the case. 
uh, you can buy three bottles or six bottles and we will have a coupon code, I'm sure, for our listeners out there. So stay tuned for that and check out marginswine.com. And all you need to do is sign up for her newsletter and uh, you will be the first to know. We are in love with it. I actually brought it last night. I went on a radio show. Oh, yeah. Uh, how was that? It was fun. It was silly. It was our, our friend, uh, our friend who wrote the article about us in the Good Times. She came on the show and she actually talked about wh- how she was wearing Kegel balls in the exact moment oh, on air. Awesome. And used her name. Oh, great. We, I was like, yeah, Wait, girl. Yeah. I know. But I brought a bottle of the Chenin Blanc there. We were drinking it. It wasn't the same because it was like we had ice cubes in it because it wasn't cold and it was in paper cups. So sorry, Megan. I know that's blasphemy. But they had not, neither of them had tried it. They both really liked it. They were like, they were, yeah. she was like, I get to try the Shannon Blanc. She was super excited. So yeah, it was we've, delicious. we've uh, been definitely drinking a lot of margins wine since, I mean, it's just so good. Oh I, I don't ever get tired yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Although I can't drink a whole bottle by myself. My partner really doesn't drink. So that's why you call me. You need to come over and like help Amy, me. I open a bottle of margins and I'll be like, I'm there. Come I'll drive over. all the way out to where you live, which is somewhat far away if there's traffic. Um, I am selling my green couch now because Snail I, need trails? A bigger ca- I need a bigger couch. Snail trails? So if anybody out there wants to buy my green couch, I'll give you a real good deal. There's no snail trails on it. No. I washed all... I had a professional upholstery cleaner come and clean it. And actually someone emailed me or messaged me on OfferUp or Let Go. I told you about the... You yeah. kind of like... You, it's an app that you can sell your stuff. And uh, she was like, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. By the way, are those cushions removable? <laughs> are those, I was dying. Are those I was the like, ones that you've... They you are, have. and I had a, a professional cleaner come and clean it, so it's totally safe, and there hasn't been any business conducted on it since Snail trail free. the upholstery cleaner. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. Good to know. Yes, now you know. All right. If you don't, because knowledge is power, everyone. So this sex question is a follow-up from a sex question that we answered either last week or the week before. I think it was last week. I think it was question. last week. Uh, and so it's a follow-up. The listener actually wrote a response because we didn't have enough information. It was about someone who's a 34-year-old male who never wants sex they're engaged right they're engaged and their fiance was threatening to call off the engagement because there's not a they're not getting their needs met and this so he doesn't ever want sex and this has been present in past relationships too yes he's very attracted to his fiance he doesn't want the relationship to end or um or be continue uh, yeah he doesn't want to lose his partner so he is giving us more information and so i will read what because we had more questions for his question hence the reason he wrote in yeah as like hey this is my answers to the questions for my question so these are the answers to uh what we asked on the last week's episode and if you are very confused and want to know more go listen to last week's episode Uh, So his response is, so I was listening to your podcast and thank you for answering my question. I am the 34 year old male who never wants sex. So you guys have a bit more info. I was recently diagnosed with depression and severe anxiety and they think I've had that for a long time, but could that affect it at all? I masturbate. Yes, but maybe only twice a month or so, but I feel guilty doing it. So this is all very, very helpful. Um, The first thing when you said the part about depression and anxiety, our first thought was are you on medication because if you're on medication the SSRIs in particular which is often for depression definitely is known to affect libido yeah yeah like it can literally turn it off and completely numb it out right and but but the only thing is that he did say that this has been in past relationships, mm-hmm. so it isn't brand new. He was just diagnosed with that, so I don't think you've been on medication. I'm not getting the impression that you've been on medication for a long time. Um, but if you have, if there's some ways, in, in sometimes we take me- people who take medication that isn't for depression, but like 
Adderall affects mm-hmm. your libido. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that we do take that can affect libido. So just to be in tune with those things. And yeah, if you have depression and severe anxiety, um, I would imagine, and I'm not a doctor, so I can't speak from that perfectly. You know, I'm not an expert in that, in that department for depression, anxiety, but I would say, of course they would affect drive and libido, you know, depression, things can be really dulled down, turned down, turned off um, in kind of a dark cloud. And you're probably, I mean, I assume the last thing you're thinking of is being sexual when you're depressed about X, Y, and Z factors in Mm -hmm. your life, I'm sure that are bringing you down. You're like, I don't even feel like being sexual. I mean, I know certain times in my life when I've been going through rough patches and friends as well are like, I can't even think about sex. It's like the last thing in my mind because I am going through this situation or I am clinically depressed Mm -hmm. and so sex is not on my mind. Yeah. Uh, And so if... This person is obviously experiencing that and th- affecting their libido, which it is because they've written now two times. I would say this episode specifically is about female arousal, but there's some tips that she shares that I think any mm. like a penis owner could even use. Um, and it's it has a lot to do with getting out of your head mm. and really breathing in and also practicing. You say you masturbate two times a month but perhaps you could try to step that up a little bit, do some solo play. The guilt, which I know you'll want to touch on for sure, is a separate factor, and Amy can address that. But I would really say practice, learn what you like, what turns you on. Touching yourself is so helpful, but also your thoughts that you're going through. And um, while, while you know, you're touching yourself and masturbating, that is helping the arousal process along. But I would say it's, it's going to be a practice mm-hmm. And that's some homework. And that can also funnel into communication with your partner after you you do the research and you're stepping up your masturbation game to a few times a week instead of just a, a couple of times a month. Um, that is some work that you probably need to start participating in mm-hmm. with yourself. Well, and, and, on, and on, yeah, I'll talk about that piece in a second. The depression and anxiety also, like, like April said, you know, getting out of your head and into your body. Um, if you're not familiar, I would look up Gabor Mate's work. He doesn't do any work around sexuality, by the way. Uh, but talks about th- things like depression, anxiety, a lot of the conditions that people have that they think that they were either just, you know, born with or that this is just, you know, some condition that they have that is related to a chemical imbalance. Um, that they're, they're finding that a lot of it is related to just old trauma that was never dealt with. You know, there's stuff in there that is kind of screaming to be dealt with, but it's deeply buried because it's uncomfortable or painful. So trauma from childhood, relationships with parents, abuse um, or... Or, or maybe it's maybe you don't identify those things, but there's just some sort of uh, trauma or painful or hurtful experiences that um, have an or worthiness issues or self love or being loved by other uh, that are wanting attention. And so, what happens when we don't give them attention is we get these symptoms uh, that bring us in our heads, cause anxiety, cause depression, cause a feeling of dullness, of being disconnected, of deep sadness and sorrow. Um, that uh, there's that can be worked on and worked through, and so of course sexuality probably would be on the table because when I have a whole like think of my relationship with my partner, we have an argument, I have resentment, we don't work on it. I usually don't want to have sex with them. So think of these things as old, deep, deep, deep buried hurts, resentments, wounds that you might not even know what they are, but they're present. So maybe sexuality has been dulled and or uh, dimmed by them. 
maybe the guilt as well could be something from a past trauma. And well, the, my question about the guilt is, are they feeling guilty because they're not having sex with their partner? And so they feel guilty for masturbating mm. or are they feeling guilty every time they masturbate because there's guilt around masturbation? That is a little unclear to me. Right. But either way, here's the thing. You're masturbating. So there's some drive in you to have pleasure, arousal, um, and so it's, there's something, it's not that you don't have arousal or desire for pleasure. Although sometimes people masturbate just to like distract themselves or have a deep right. release. Um, so I guess I'm curious about your masturbation. Is it coming from a place of I'm really turned on, I'm aroused, I'm horny. Um, where's that coming from? And is it something that you can feel arousal and drive on your own, but when you're with a partner, you don't? Um, is there a distinction there or is it that you don't feel arousal or drive anywhere and that you're masturbating for other reasons um, and the guilt whether it's if the guilt is related to just masturbation in general then yeah what April's saying like if you have deep guilt about being sexual with yourself or with another then there's a big piece to work on then of course being sexual isn't really um, necessarily feeling that safe for you uh, but if it's the guilt is about just because you're masturbating because you're in a relationship that with someone that you're not wanting to have sex with, not related to them, but just you're not craving sex, um, then there's you can that's its own work. But that I don't think that is what's killing your drive with them. Do you have any? Uh, because I think they did ask, and if I don't want to put you on the spot, but any resources for this person? Because I think he did ask for resources. Yeah, I mean, I w again, I would say if you're feeling like it is, there's old stuff here that needs to be worked on mm -hmm. that might not even be related to sex, go do that work with a therapist, a Hakomi therapist, an EMDR therapist. Uh, if it's around guilt with sex, go work with a sex therapist, someone go. that can work with you on that stuff on or a, or a sex and relationship coach. There's no switch that's going to just change you overnight by no. the way it's going to be a process but don't be scared yeah and you're not alone keep listening to you know us as um as are your podcast guides through some of your sexual healing yeah slash uh plenty of people identify plenty of people yeah people and people are in, the, in a similar boat of all genders of all all orientations of all bodies um, and it's a hard place to be in. Yeah. Super hard. And we're here for you. And there's other folks that can support you as well. So thank you for... Yeah. And my, just oh, I was have one oh, other sorry. tip I'll say is because you're in a partnership and you don't want to lose your partner. Share. And when you start to work with people on your depression, anxiety, trauma, or shame, whatever that is, um, invite your partner in there as well. Share your journey of what you're learning, what you're healing, so that they... Um, don't feel left in the dark like really invite them into your internal landscape of how hard this is for you of what it is that you're discovering and working on and I think that will help to strengthen the bond don't leave them in the dark of like oh it's all good I just I'm just not that horny and but really include them in on the challenge that you're that's experiencing that's such great advice that's going to yeah. probably bring you closer yeah. I speaking of being closer I have a quick story to share with you um, from last night just what happened to me last night I had a really cool uh, sexual experience, and I want to share with all of our listeners too, because I kind of feel like they're—I call it a life hack—but mm. something that um, really helped me sort of have a, an amazing orgasm with my partner. We definitely used Uber Lube, which was so cool. I just busted it out before I had the under the bed restraints mm -hmm. all set up and ready to go. But what I did that was pretty cool. I, so I pre-planned with my partner. I was like, hey, because usually we'll have dinner and I'm like, you want any sexy playtime? I'm kind of, you know, feeling a little... Like as I say, <laughs> Do like, you make I, that noise? I, yeah, I make that noise. I'm like, I don't know if I'm feeling it. So yesterday I was like, hey, how about we have sexy playtime and afterward I'll make us dinner? And... 
he was like, that sounds awesome. But my life hack is what I did because I knew we were planning, we were pre-planning for the playtime, is I kind of touched myself a bit to kind of get my arousal sparked before without coming. So I was already pretty turned on. I used my vibrator just for a second and then I used my 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 fingers. Um, and so when we went into our playtime situation, I was super turned on. It, it happened even faster. So life hack, perhaps if you are planning a play night and, you know, we do suggest sometimes if in a busy life to plan because there are times if you have kids or a busy work schedule or you know how it goes, um, time slips by and it'll be a whole week before you're connecting with your partner physically. So uh, I tend to like to do that too. I schedule everything. It's not in the calendar, but I was like, can we do that? And regarding Uberlube, so I um, had two fingers in the bum Ooh. and then two in the... Uh, Vagina? Is that the shocker? I don't no, know. The shocker is the no, shockers? one in the pink and two in the stink. Yeah, that's <laughs> or one in the stink, or two the in the pink and one in the stink. Is like yeah, one in the pink, one in the stink. Um, so, but Minus I stink. we we kept just using the Uberlube, and it's so fun because it's just a silent thing, and it was room temperature, so I didn't even feel it wasn't too cold. Like the sensation was perfect, and he and he kept obviously lubing up the bum, and then I had my vibrator. I was tied up with the under the bed straights face Damn, down, girl, and then I had some pillows between with the fascinator on top it was a whole production but it was so fun that was an awesome production and um i just wanted to thank uber lube personally for my <laughs> for experience two fingers in the stink yeah and <laughs> it lasted so long like he didn't ha he didn't have to keep lubing re-lubing which happens a lot with other uh lubricants uh -huh. so uber lube it's the it's yeah, so it's, good it's so good for that. I mean not, and not just yes it's gonna make because the ass isn't lubricated itself so anything anal and uber lube is silicone so it's long lasting it's great for that but it's great for but all I, kinds but of I've touch. used other silicone lubes and the next day slash the next two days I'll be wiping and I'm like oh it's my god there. it's still there yeah. uber lube today all good to go it's soft like yeah. my butt feels soft like my it's whole like a moisturizer. Bum, it is yeah. so I just wanted to. Um, Number one, tell the story with the life hack. And number two, thank Uberlube. Yeah. And you, we do have an actual coupon code if yeah. you want to save some dollars and yeah, try Uberlube for yourself. If you want to try a bottle, and again, it's not just for anything anal. I love it for all kinds of sex, vaginal, oral. I want it all over my body. Uh, There's no flavor, no scent. So many doctors are on board recommending it for folks who are sensitive. It's just one of those lubricants that you try and you're like, I did not even know lube could be. This is lube? Like the lube can be this good? Um, so if you go to uberlube.com and you use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX in all caps, you get 10% off plus free shipping. If you want to try a bottle and they have multiple sizes, um, I can tell you that most people try a bottle, they're like, they, they are hooked. We have <laughs> so many fans. And in fact, April and I were fans uh, even before working in the sex toy industry like we knew all about them I mean, and pretty, pretty much it's such a good deal like it's incredible it's not it's not a bad price it's yeah. not like you're spent you, you probably spend more on a couple lattes in a week yeah it's true and it's long lasting that bottle yeah unless you're having sex for like 20 hours a day i personally do go through quite a bit do you well good thing that i have a limited i know <laughs> unlimited supply of uber like, um, to i need more stock your bum up with <laughs> So Are you going to the bio? Is it bio? Yeah, it's bio time. Let's talk about Sherry Winston. All right, everyone. So as we said, I'm super excited about this podcast. I'll give you a little bio and we will dive right in. 
So Sherry Winston is a celebrated sexuality teacher, award-winning author, and medical professional. Sherry's 2010 book, The Women's Anatomy of Arousal, Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure, which is also available on Audible, won the 2010 Book of the Year Award from ASECT. If you don't know what ASECT is, go look it up. It's A-A-S-E-C-T. They kind of run the, um, like this, they're the head of the board for sex therapist certification training things. They're just, they're big. Sherry's 2014 book, The Visionary Yet Practical Succulent Sex Craft, Your Hands-On Guide to Erotic Play and, pract- and Practice, offers a detailed roadmap to supercharging your erotic life and becoming sexually whole and empowered. With its wealth of ideas, practices, and games, readers are able to access extraordinary pleasure, overcome challenges, and learn to play masterfully with their in- inner sex craft. Toolkit. Sherry's holistic sexuality curriculum has over 50 classes covering subjects such as orgasmic abundance for men and women, which we talk about on this podcast, integral integral genital anatomy, expanded arousal, sex and relationship skills, and holistic sexual and women's reproductive health. Learn more at IntimateArtsCenter.com. Shall we dive on in? Wait, I have a joke for you. Okay, go. What is a pirate looking for? Buried pleasure. (laughs) Yarr. Before we dive in, I would like to take a moment to talk about meditation. That's right, everyone. Meditation. If you've listened to past podcasts, you have heard April and I talk about meditation and how much it has helped us in so many aspects of our lives, uh, especially because we're such busy people, always traveling, always working, always doing things. Um, We both feel that meditation has really helped us to manage the stress and the intensity of life. Uh, It has also helped us to get out of our heads. We're both really heady people. Uh, And so by having a regular practice of meditation, um, for me, I can say that the more I practice meditation, the more it becomes a default for me to be less heady and more in my body, more embodied, operating more from my body, from my gut, from my heart. Uh, and it carries over into our sex lives. Um, if you've, you've heard us say this before too, that, uh, the more of regular of a practice of meditation that I have, uh, the more I am able to be in my body when I'm touching and being touched, the more sensation I feel, the more pleasure I feel. Even if my meditation practice isn't erotic or sensual, it's just by practicing being present in an embodied way, which is what meditation is. Um, it carries over. It really, um, it really does affect our our sex lives in a positive way. Uh, and one of the ways that I got started on meditation was through guided meditations um, through apps. And same with April. And we have a wonderful app that we just discovered. It's called the Calm app. Uh, and you can go learn more if you go to calm.com backslash shameless sex. Uh, it's a beautiful app that has. So many wonderful offerings. There's different meditations. There's body scan meditations. There's um, loving kindness meditations. There's breath meditations. And you can choose the time. Say you're a busy person. You can start with five minutes and then work your way to 10 minutes and then to 15. They have even nighttime stories, bedtime stories. One of them is uh, narrated by Matthew McConaughey, by the way. Hello. Um, Anyways, this makes it really easy to do it anywhere, anytime. It can even have a little reminder to tell you, have you meditated yet? Uh, you can do it on the road when you're traveling. And it can really just help to teach you how to meditate. They even have actual like how to meditate 
uh, little programs on the app too. So highly, highly recommend it. It's a game changer. Um, so right now, our Shameless Sex listeners, actually, they get 25% off of a Calm premium subscription. If you go to calm.com backslash shameless sex, that's C-A-L-M dot com backslash shameless sex. You get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com backslash shameless sex. Game changer. Go check it out right now. Highly, highly recommend um, and if you're sick of hearing us talk about meditation, too bad, because we honestly feel like it's one of the best things that you can do to um, become more embodied in sensuality and sexuality. So, OK. Anyways, let's go on to the podcast. So here we go. We are here, as you know, with Sherry Winston as someone that I have uh, looked up to for years, have um, referenced her book, Women's Anatomy of Arousal, for years upon years. My, I'm pretty sure half of the workshop I teach that is uh, called Orgasmic Bliss, um, Female Sexual Pleasure 101 is like half of it is based on that book <laughs> and what I took from it because it was one of the first books that I read that really was this beautiful fusion, and this is my opinion, between kind of like the sacred sexuality woo-woo side and combined with the heady, more academic 101 sexuality side. It was really refreshing to see this this fusion that spoke to me as someone who identifies as kind of being in, in, in between of those worlds. Um, and so I just, I'm just so happy to have you, you here, Sherry, to speak to our listeners and to share your wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be doing that. And I'm delighted that that inspired any work that you did that helped people have more orgasms. Mm -hmm. So was this kind of combining science with like the wooey aspect? Because I have not read your book. I've heard Amy quote it. I don't want to say a million times, but many, many times. <laughs> uh, and I feel like you kind of are like science with woo, Amy. So is that kind of what what it's about? I would say it's an integration of many different uh, categories of, of thinking and thought. My, my background is I came from the world of holistic healing, um, herbalism, and uh, um, uh, empowered self-care. And I started there and as a massage therapist. And then I got bitten by the midwifery bug and went on to become a childbirth educator and a midwife. And uh, in order to do that, I had to go to nursing school and midwifery school, which was all very Western science. And I loved the science. I just loved it. But I was always looking at it as having come from this outside position from holistic healing. And then I went on to study uh, not only sort of Western approach to sexology and, and understanding that and a therapeutic approach to that, and then also Tantra, Taoist, Native American, and other sort of what you might call esoteric traditions around sexuality and that all came together in the book yeah yeah I love uh, one of the things I know when I read it I was like she uses words like pussy and yoni I love it <laughs> and, I, and vagina and vagina all of them you have like the medical yeah. term and like the like less I know the one I, I like all the terms you know if I speak read a book that just says yoni 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 um part of me part of me feels a little left out or um, it has hard to identify with. And if it was just pussy, 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 then same thing. So I really love that you brought it all together. So you just, you just kind of told a little bit about how you got to where you are today, but maybe 
Uh, if you if you want to elaborate and what inspired you to write and this is you didn't just write this book you also have succulent sex craft um and so what inspired you to get to where you are today to write these books to be in the field of sexuality Boy, that's a good question. I'll try and give you the shortest answer. But all right, so I was in the world of of birth, of creating empowering birth experience for women, uh, predominantly home birth and birth center birth. And I um, had been uh, also a childbirth educator. And so from, uh, you know, like 20 to 30, I was uh, working with women to help them have great births and teaching them things like how to use your pelvic floor muscles, how to use positive imagery and affirmations, how to use breath and sound. And I was doing all that and I was not even aware, but I was unconsciously using all of those uh, techniques to have better sex. I knew sex had gotten better for me from 20 to 30, that it was easier to get turned on and become more and more orgasmic. And that was all great. And I just thought that was normal and everybody had that same progression. And then somewhere in my early 30s, I had an epiphany where I realized I had actually been spending the last 10 years training myself and training myself in those tools. And at that point, I was still in the birth world, but then I started going to classes about Tantra and other, um, other sacred sexuality traditions and learning what they had to learn uh, or they had to teach. And so I was starting to incorporate things consciously and also doing a lot of going like, oh, everybody uses breath. Oh, if you're learning how to meditate, you use breath. If you're trying to have a great, awesome birth, you use breath. If you want to have better sex and more pleasure, you use breath. Huh, wait a minute. This is a foundational human tool. And anyway, at that point, I was doing all the sex stuff just to have better sex for me personally. And I started to discover everything I was learning in sex world, I could bring to birth world. And I started to realize it's all the same thing. It's the same equipment. It's the same energetic, emotional, biochemical journey, whether it's arousal or labor. And that was mind-blowing. At that point, I came across a book called New View of a Woman's Body, which was put out by the Federation of Feminist Lay Health Workers in, I think, originally the late 70s, maybe early 80s. It came out and there was one chapter um, about female genitalia and it included parts I had never heard of. Now, mind you, I studied anatomy as, well, first as an artist, then as a massage therapist, as a childbirth educator, as a registered nurse, and then as a nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, right? I'd studied anatomy a lot with a focus on female reproductive equipment. And here they're talking about the vestibular bulbs. And I went, huh, what? I, I've never heard of vestibular bulbs. So I immediately went and looked in a mirror <laughs> at myself and, um, and played with myself and watched them engorge mm-hmm. and went, holy shit, <laughs> there are parts of my body that even I, as I would say an anatomy expert at that point, as a practicing certified nurse, midwife, with all these initials, I had never heard of. Blew my mind. It also radically and instantly improved my experience of arousal and sex and orgasm, which was already pretty good. Right? So now we're talking about it got like, whoa, way better. And I started thinking, huh, well, if I could know all this and still have not found out about this missing piece of the puzzle, what else is missing? 
And then I started what turned into this like 10 year journey of trying to find all the parts that were missing and getting clues from different places. Like, oh, in midwifery, they call this the perineal body or, you know, but in, in Tantra, they call it, you know, this other thing. And wait a minute, they're all talking about the same thing. And oh, this obscure researcher talked about how this is actually erectile tissue. He's talking about there's erectile tissue under your perineum, right? Nobody was mentioned talking about that. So I started putting it all together and came up with this new map, this integral connected map that really understands all the parts we have, all the parts that are made out of erectile tissue and how they work together and also things about the uterus and the, all the innervation, the nerves of the system and putting it together in this new map. And it was so radical and inspiring that I started teaching about it and everyone who heard about it, their minds were blown and, and would come back and tell me about their amazing sex experiences that they had now that they knew or people in class would be going, oh, that's why that happens. And, um, oh, that's why that works or that doesn't work. So it was just really exciting. And, uh, and I wrote the book because I needed to get that information out to the world. I I would call it uh, revolutionary and it may have been your book. So I, I've talked about this in the podcast before where I did my certification to be a sex educator and went to school for psychology, human sexuality and minored in human sexuality in, was it like 2007, eight, nine? And they still were not teaching that the clitoris was the wishbone with the head, the shaft and the legs. And you know, a lot, I believe it was your book, which was one of the first ones that I saw that was like, oh, there's a lot more going on here than what we're being taught in, even when you're taking human sexuality courses in college. And granted, it probably has changed now, but it was, it really was revolutionary. Yeah. I'm not so sure it's changed yet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say, I would say, it may be in a small minority of programs, and we're talking not just sex educators, but healthcare providers. Um, uh, it's not really changed all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, we've we've heard that from other people. You're not the first one to say that that we're we know we're still really behind. Um, you mentioned in your book, and you said something about it just now about how um, women's body parts have gone missing historically. Um, can you tell our listeners about that? What you mean by this? Well, it's, there's a really interesting story about the study of the human body and how anatomy was figured out anyway, how that process was uh, historically, Uh, but what they were generally studying was male bodies. Mm -hmm. And so the male body is considered the standard. And then the female body is like some weird variation in, in science. And so we, we start with the idea that women's bodies weren't studied hardly at all anyway. And then when bodies were studied, often they're studying cadavers. And erectile tissue in particular is really hard to discern on a dead body, mm-hmm. right? Okay. If, you, if, for, if we think about a penis, for example, um, if you were from Mars and you'd never seen a human and you saw a dead body with a penis, you would see this little tiny, limp, stretchy thing. And you would never imagine that when it was alive, the kind of transformation it could undergo. Mm-hmm. So for women, because, uh, or people who have vulvas, 
all of that equipment is hidden and inside, it was even harder for scientists and anatomists and people who are studying that to find those parts. Mm -hmm. That being said, everything I talk about in my book was discovered by someone somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And then it often seemed to vanish. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting correlation with attitudes about women's sexuality. So if we look at Western Europe, and this is where our science comes from. So I'm focusing on that historically. In Western Europe, if we looked a thousand years ago, 500 years ago, women were considered actually the more sexual of the two genders. We were the ravenous, sexy beasts, um, not very smart, but lusty, uh, simple, lusty and childlike. Uh, and men were the logical, rational ones. And uh, at that point, a lot of those parts uh, that were say, uh, evolved for pleasure in women, were found, were discovered, were noted in books. And then we go through hundreds of years where women's sexuality, uh, the cultural idea of it shifted until we get to the Victorian times. And in Victorian times, women, of course, we're talking about white upper-class women, uh, were considered to, to be non-sexual. They, they didn't have a libido. They didn't have orgasms. The only reason you had sex was because it was your duty to your husband, to your country, and to God to make babies. And so you would just lie back and think of England and, you know, let him do his business and get it over with quickly. And by the time we got there, all of the parts responsible for pleasure had gone missing. So there are anatomy illustrations from a little over 100 years ago that don't even have the head of the clitoris. Mm -hmm. Now, what did we get back? We got back the head of the clitoris. Mm -hmm. Really, talking about where we got it in the, in the popular culture in the mind, we didn't start getting that back until the 70s. Mm -hmm. The first copy of The Joy of Sex, the first kind of best-selling crossover sex book, does not mention the word clitoris. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. What yeah. is it called? The the is nub between the, yeah. They, they don't mention it. It's oh, just well. rest. it's well. just not there. Um, and so it's like we're kind of gradually getting the parts back. And and we're we're getting more and more of them. And I'm hoping in maybe less than a hundred years <laughs> we can have the understanding of all of the parts of that whole network. And I'm sure female ejaculation is still such a mystery to a lot of people. I mean, you talk about it and they're like, what is that? I can't do it. And um, I, I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about female ejaculation. We, I mean, on a cellular level, yes, but also um, can we get asked about female ejaculation all the time. And um, I would love to talk to you a little bit so you can explain to our listeners about female ejaculation. Well, and I just want to say that too, that your book was one of the first books that I read that, that explained it on a cellular level. You know, I read other female ejaculation books, you know, what was that five or six years ago, maybe eight years. When did your book come out again? Was it, Almost was, 10 years ago. Good 10 years. So yeah, this is probably almost. more like... Yeah, eight years ago or so. And they had said, they were, you know, it happens and you just breathe and it's a nice release. And I'm like, but why is it happening? What's going on? Where's this fluid? It's not, it doesn't feel like urine. It doesn't smell like urine. It's like, it's coming from a similar place. Also, it was the same place, but like what I'm confused. Everyone and it can happen sometimes yeah. and not other times. There's so many things. Yeah. So your yeah, book so actually much. explained it. So if you want, if you can elaborate more on that, because that's something I think, you know, we had that, that vice there wasn't a Vice magazine reported a study that happened in 
France that was like a, a pool of like seven women and they had concluded that they were all peeing themselves when they were ejaculating. And that I think is an example of, that's not necessarily women's body parts, but women's um, sexual pleasure and function going m- missing, right? Like people claiming it's not real. So I'd love for you to highlight the realness of it to our listeners. Sure. So I will also say, first of all, uh, if you asked me 20 years ago, I didn't believe it was real either. Mm-hmm. Right. You were so a nurse, again, it was like, no, we didn't, I never learned that. I, yeah. I never learned about that. Um, but I did, I would have women coming in, you know, whether, you know, pregnant or coming in for, you know, or pap smear or something who would tell me that they had these gushes. And at the time, Um, once I was sure there wasn't something else going on, some sort of illness, at the time I would say, oh, some women are just juicier than others. Now, this was before computers, before internet porn, before any of this stuff. Um, But I was kind of wondering about it. Then internet porn happened. And suddenly we had people like Annie Sprinkle, who were sort of famous for gushing. And at the time I thought, oh, it's just key. They're just, it's a, it's a porn, you know, fantasy. However, mm-hmm. I then started to meet women who could do it. And that got me going, really? And I actually had a, a, a fling. Mm-hmm. I had a lovely little fling with a woman who was an ejaculator. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I got to see it up close and personal mm-hmm. and went, wow, like, wow, this is real. It's not pee. It's not yellow. It doesn't smell like pee. Um, and uh, there's really something here to study. Now, at the time, I thought there were some women who ejaculated, like a small percentage, and then there was the rest of us who didn't. However, I was I was like, I want to find out about this and what it is and where it comes from and all these things. Now, they talk about it in Tantra and other sacred sexuality traditions. They talk about it as Amrita, and and of course they talk about oh it comes from the goddess. <laughs> I'm like, no, it comes, it comes from the body. <laughs> Pretty sure it comes from yeah from from my body. <laughs> from my okay. So then I started to meet women who told me that they had learned to ejaculate, and boy did my ears perk up at that because at that point I had learned a lot of stuff and I figured well if they learned I could learn because I just you know, figured I could learn anything there was to learn with it, you know, with my own body when it came to sex. So I started talking to, how did you learn? What did you do? How did it happen? And now currently, of course, I've now been studying the tools and techniques to expand arousal and orgasm, I don't know, 15 years at that point. So I had a lot of tools at my disposal in terms of learning how to direct my energy and expand my orgasms and use my pelvic floor muscles. And um, sure enough, once I thought it was possible and learnable, I wound up at some point in one of those, you know, prolonged um, five hour sex play episodes that happened when I was younger. <laughs> that's, uh, that's yeah, I, don't have that, I don't have that stamina anymore. But, um, but at that point I did. And sure enough, at the end of it, I had this spectacular orgasm and I gushed all over the place. And it was besides exciting and, and an amazing experience. I was now convinced it was learnable. And then I proceeded over the next couple of years to kind of train my body and learn how to do it more. But I still didn't know where it came from. 
I still hadn't figured that out. And I'd also looked at the research and there was research that documented it wasn't pee and so forth. At that point, I know so these are long stories. No, they're good. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's at all relevant that, though. Yeah. Right. At that point, I was really determined to figure out where this was coming from, what the body parts were. And so I was, again, having a sexual experience and I was really determined to just really pay attention to what was happening in my body. And right before I ejaculated, I realized that the sensation I was feeling, this is just, this is around your urethra. So this is sort of deep inside, but around your urethra, that that sensation felt exactly like the letdown feeling that I would feel in my breasts just as I began to nurse my son when he was a baby. This was 10 years later, but that sensation, if you've ever breastfed a baby, you know there's this uh, very specific sensation. It's almost like little microscopic tingles that go on. And then you start gushing milk. Mm-hmm. And I had a total epiphany because as a midwife and childbirth educator, I understood how we make milk. We make milk because we've got um, lots of capillaries. Those are the tiniest blood vessels that surround glandular tubules in our breasts and that uh, we, our breasts are milk factories. And so with the right stimulation, they make milk. With more stimulation, we make more milk. Um, We get thirsty, we drink lots of water. The baby's nurses, we make more milk. We have twins, we have two babies, we make twice as much milk. So I totally understood how our bodies do that. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, that's what's happening with ejaculation. It's so similar. We uh, make this fluid in these glandular tubules that surround the urethra, in the erectile tissue tube that surrounds the urethra. We've got lots of blood flow. The water part of the blood goes from the capillary into the glandular tubule, mixes with the proteins that the glandular cells make. And then that fluid has got to come out somewhere. Now, if we only make a tiny bit of fluid, it's just going to mix with all the other wet stuff that's going on. Um, If we, even if we make more fluid, if we hold it back, it'll just back up into the bladder. And next time we pee, it will come out when we pee. But if we learn how to encourage it, if we get lots of engorgement, lots of stimulation, and then release it, then we have ejaculated. It's real, everyone. Well, and I and I and I like that. Well, I remember when I was in my sex education training, they said it's not urine, but it's also not not urine. It was like those exact words because yeah, I mean it's coming through urethra. There can be traces of urine in there, just as in male ejaculate will have traces of urine too, especially if they just urinated. But we're not debating if that's real, you know? Oh, that's not real because there's urine in it. Um, and so I, I love hearing that described on a cellular level. That makes perfect sense to me. I think of it, you know, they call it it's the urethral sponge, right? I think of it as a sponge. You put it, it, it touches water. It absorbs the water. You know, you get, a, and that's what happens with arousal and engorgement. And um, and then especially if you're pressing into it through the, the contraction of the pelvic floor muscles or through G-spot stimulation or a powerful vibrator like April learned how to do with her magic wand, 
um, people learn how to to gush and squirt or whatever it is, whatever, whatever word you identify with. Um, I love bringing lights out. So I just want to say, though, I do have a couple nurse friends who don't believe it's real because they, they're nurses, right? Like your same background. They're like, I never learned about nursing school, so it's not real. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say a really important thing, which is there are some women who are what I call natural ejaculators. They just always have, they always did. Everyone else, I believe with any kind of engorgement, any kind of arousal, make a small amount of fluid. Mm -hmm. And so the difference between making a small amount and making a lot and releasing it is, is not so significant. It's not so big. Everyone makes it, everyone can learn how to make more fluid and how to let it go. It's a learnable skill. You don't have to learn it though, right? No requirement to learn any of these things, Yeah. right? You, so I don't want anyone exactly. to feel like- Yeah, that they're left they out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, everyone, just, everyone is different. And some people like, I don't want to ejaculate, it's messy. I want to keep things clean. I don't want to have to worry about towels and waterproof blankets. And so, yeah, to each their own. And for some of us, we like the slip and slide. It's great. <laughs> we like yeah. the puddles and the relief yeah, well, that it gives. Yeah. And, and puddle pads are a fine thing. Yeah. In fact, one of the things I would teach people is in order to actually let that go, it's really helpful to know you've got a puddle pad on the bed. Yeah. And that mentally helps you feel okay to release the fluid. Otherwise, your bed is drenched. Who wants yeah. you know, to sleep in that? And that's so one, one of the key things is to be able to relax and let go and feel safe. Yeah. If you're worrying in your head, I'm going to make a mess. I'm going to make a mess. Like April over here, she likes a clean bed. I always stop myself from, yeah, from ejaculating because I, I can feel it building and I know it's going to happen uh-huh. or I'll let out just a little bit and then I'll stop. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you just need some good bottle beds. I have one. I, I, yeah, the fa- I have the fascinator. It's like that big blanket. So you can just throw it in the, in the washing machine after it's great. Yeah. 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 Gave her one for a birthday or something. My mom did. Yeah. Pure pleasure, everyone. They sell them. Fascinator throws. That's right. 15% yeah. off with code uh, sh- or no, shameless sex in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Yeah. And you can make your own sort of inexpensive ones if you use um, uh, the training pads for, that we use for toddlers. They're like oh, yeah. uh, flannelized rubber. The yeah. first set I had had little giraffes on them. You know? Oh, cute. I know. I thought they were so sexy after a while. That I <laughs> but you know... It's, it's, it really makes a difference knowing that you're not going to drench your bed because yeah. mental is part of it. So it's learnable. It's an option. Have you heard of OMG Yes before? OMG Yes. dot com. No. No. Okay. So OMG Yes. They, we're, we're obsessed with them. They, so this is a, because you created essentially like a, a, research or a more science-based book that combined real people's experiences too. So it wasn't just like, here's the science. It wasn't just, here's real people's experiences. It was a combination of both. OMGS was a, it was, a, did that same thing, but it's, um, they did a research study with over a thousand women, a couple thousand, a couple thousand, a couple thousand women, um, female body folks, we'll say. And uh, they asked them, you know, how, how do you have your orgasms? And they were specifically focusing on external pleasure. So how do you um, touch around your clitoris, around your labia? Like what are, what brings you to orgasm? How did you learn how to do that? What is the speed, the, the pace, the, um, the pressure and the technique? And so they asked them, they narrowed it down to these categories and they actually filmed these women in these very short three minute videos. And there's 62 videos and little modules of actual vulvas where you can practice the strokes that shows you all these different techniques from like, you know, swirls and edging and tapping and all these different ideas that, and, and so it's showing these little clips. It's very tasteful too. It's not, um, 
it's not pornographic, although you are seeing vulvas, but they're showing you, they're literally like, so I touch myself like this for about 10 minutes or so. And I build up the pressure and I'm, then I'll move over here. And, um, and it's been life-changing. And so I love that that's, they're teaching, that's about external pleasure for season one. They're working on season two though, which should be out actually, actually should be out, which is going to be G spot and female ejaculation, internal pleasure. You know, and actually showing these little videos of women for female-bodied folks, it won't just be when people identify as women, um, showing this is how I touch myself or, or I have other people touch me to the point that I can ejaculate or I can experience an internal orgasm. Um, so I think I'm, I'm super excited for that to be out too. And I think it will really complement the work that you already spearhead. I'm sure your work had something to do with them being able to do that. That sounds fantastic. And as soon as we get off, I'm going to go look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go check it out. Our listeners yeah. get, um, get $5 off if they go to uh, omgs.com backslash shameless and you get $5 off. So you buy it, you get season one forever. You can watch the videos over and over again. It's 39 bucks and then you get $5 off omgs.com backslash shameless um, because we're huge fans of it. But again, season two is going to be out soon. So right now it's just external pleasure. Um, what about, okay, so what are your, some of your quick tips for female body folks who want to experience more orgasmic abundance? I know you wrote Succulent Sex Craft as well. So maybe pulling from that, but what, whatever, just a couple of your top tips for that for folks who want it. Cause you're, I know that you got a lot of juicy stuff in there. <laughs> well, the first thing I would say is just kind of a mental framing, which is to think of yourself as your own learning laboratory. And so your, your job as, as your own researcher is to run experiments, notice what happens, and when something pleasurable happens, practice that. So you are also like a musician, you're your own instrument. Um, but if you wanted to get good at playing the piano, you would practice and you would learn things and then you would practice those and you would layer your skills. You would get simple skills and then more complex skills and more complex. So all of this is learnable and it's just a matter of finding out what works for you. Different things will work for different people. And there are a few things that seem to be pretty universal to being human. So this goes for anybody, no matter what kind of genitals you have. Um, But we talked briefly before about your breath. Your breath is your foundational body tool. You can use it to change your state. It's the bridge between your conscious and unconscious. It's the only system in our body that's innervated by both our voluntary nervous system and our autonomic or involuntary nervous system. And that's why it's the bridge between states. So we can use our breathing to become more relaxed. And when we start getting turned on, often relaxation is what we need. We need to relax. Uh, Our breath can help us uh, let our brains start shutting down because we have to stop the thinking part of our brain uh, let the body turn on, um, and our uh, our breath can help our arousal increase and expand. And so we can do all these different things with our breathing. Now there are again some sort of general things. Usually, when you breathe slower, it helps you relax, and when you breathe faster, it helps you get turned on. And arousal really is a dance between building up that tension, the fast hot part. And relaxing into it and feeling it and expanding it with the slowness or stillness. And so one technique, sort of a, really a series of experiments you can run, is just uh, the next 
bunch of times that you are self-pleasuring, pay attention to how you breathe normally. What are you already doing? Where do you breathe slow? When do you breathe fast? Do you hold your breath? Do you breathe shallow? Just notice what you do already. Then run some experiments where you change it up a bit. So if in the beginning you find, oh, it's hard to turn my brain off, it's hard to get relaxed and get into my body. Yeah, I'm kind of breathing slow. Breathe slower. Slow that down. Breathe deeper. Or you notice that when you start breathing fast, your breathing might get very shallow. Breathe fast, but breathe deeper. Um, and that play with things like what happens when you're at high level arousal, where normally you're breathing pretty fast. What happens if at that point you take a couple of slow, deep breaths? What happens to your arousal? Usually you'll find it expands. Like that's a really fun experiment. Suddenly you're like, oh, wow, that got even better. Um, notice particularly if you're holding your breath and then run experiments where you make sure that you just keep your breath moving. So that's just one tool that you could run a whole bunch of different experiments. And of course, like I said, when you notice something good, practice that. Uh, next, I would say sound is, I think, one of the key tools for everyone in their toolkit. And uh, we have huge sound inhibition about sex because if we make sounds, people will hear us and then oh, they'll know we're having sex. They'll know we're having pleasure. Oh my gosh, that would be horrific, right? Oh my God, the neighbors will hear me. The children will hear me. Um, my, my, uh, you could spend your whole life not doing that. Conversely, we might have learned from porn that certain kinds of sounds are the sounds we should be making and we're making them, but we're not really feeling that. They're not authentic. So again, run some experiments with sound. Notice what you do now um, and start playing with it. Start... Uh, vowel sounds are extremely useful. Anything that opens your throat is good. So just start with some ahs and some ohs and some oohs and make them open throat and, and let them go down and low and into your body. Anything that brings this, the, the energy down is going to be good. You don't want to go up. You don't want to go up here and close your throat and scream. You're like, that's the wrong direction. You don't want to be going there. But other than that, play with sound. And again, run experiments. Have some, um, and you could do this with a partner too, but it's just so much easier to pay attention and make notes, kind of notice what works when you're just by yourself and having your, your solo sex experience. So I think that's always a good time to practice playing your instrument and, and, and uh, run experiments. Um, and play with sounds and notice what happens. Like, oh, when I make those sounds at this time, it feels better. I have more sensation. So literally when we make sounds, it turns on the pleasure receptors, the sensation receptors in our brain. So we actually have more sensation in our brain. Um, so sound, I would say is number two, big tool in the toolkit. Um, and of course with partners, sound is phenomenal because it helps our partner know what's working. And I'm not talking about faking sounds, right? Not working. It's not working. Don't, want them to think this is working. Um, so, but it's a great way of communicating, of turning each other on, of expanding your pleasure, of, of synchronizing your state, which is you know, one of the high things we can do with sex with a partner where we get into conjoined trance states. Um, so sound, awesome, play with sounds. Uh, you don't have to be really loud 
to play with a whole soundtrack of different sound possibilities. And it's really nice sometimes if you can just let it rip, right? So, you know, it might be that you you have make plans for when your your kids aren't home or you, you know, in the afternoons you're not waking up the neighbors at three in the morning. Get out in nature in the middle of the woods where there is, you don't know. Well, hopefully you don't know if there's anyone else there. And just but bring a blanket in case you sit on a stick or something. <laughs> bring a blanket. Definitely. I thought. Have you ever found the expression, facial expression? Because I've started experimenting with solo play with like sticking out my tongue, licking my lips, making like just like the because I. I, I sometimes will be, I'm never that loud when I'm solo, but I will kind of do some expressions with my face. And I, and I do feel like that helps induce my orgasms from time to time. I don't know if there's any proof behind that, but perhaps something else people could try. Well, the thing is, uh, there's actually some such interesting science about facial expressions and emotional and psychological state, right? These are universals. You can meet someone from anywhere in the world, not speak the same language, but you know what a happy, smiling, friendly face looks like, and you know what a scared face looks like, and a suspicious or a disgusted, right? These are universal. And so there's actually, uh, our facial expressions, our facial muscles and nerves are tied directly to our emotional and psychological state. Mm. So absolutely, we can influence those states by, for example, if you're, maybe if you're not feeling that good, but just get yourself to smile. Or do something that makes you smile. Watch a silly animal video on YouTube or something and it makes mm-hmm. you smile or something and you start feeling better. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's a, actually a really interesting idea. I, I might borrow that. Oh, you, you can totally, you can <laughs> totally you. borrow that. Yeah. Uh, you touched slightly on uh, partners, obviously partners being able to uh, help you or help induce the female bodies into this orgasmic abundance, which P.S. I love that orgasmic abundance. I've never used that before. If that's from your book, I might use that, Sherry, <laughs> because I dig that for sure. So um, can you give some tips for partners out there as well? Yeah, well, I think it begins with communication. And this is something we don't get modeled very well. We don't get it modeled in porn. We don't get it modeled in romantic comedies. We probably didn't get modeled in our families of origin. But partner communication skills are kind of bedrock for relationship anyway, and particularly in the bedroom, because there are no psychic partners. Nobody knows what you want, what you like, or what you want or like at this moment, which could be different. So we really have to develop communication skills. Sound is great. Sometimes we need our words. And so how do we, how do we communicate in the experience of a sexual encounter? Um, do we, and I encourage people to talk about our sex when we're not having it, And also to have play and practice sessions where we actually set up a time and a space to play a game where we can learn, you know, if I say, I would like you to stroke my legs slowly, what does slow mean to you, right? Slow to me might mean I want you to take five minutes to get from my toes to my crotch, whereas my partner might think 30 seconds was slow, And if that's the case, and I say, I'd like you to do this slowly, he's not going to do what I want because we didn't have an agreement about the word slow mm-hmm. or really slow, ultra slow, slipper slow, right? So we could, we could play a game, right? We could set up a little learning session where we talk about 
the words slow and fast and what they mean and what kind of speed that is. And, or we might create a signal. Like if you're stroking my, my vulva and it's not the right rhythm for me, let's have a signal where I tap your hand or whatever body part I can reach or your shoulder that gives you the rhythm that I'm looking for. So if you're doing something and it's really fast and that's not the speed I want and I start tapping you, that means that's the speed I want. And we don't need, you know, so these are learning games that we- That's also play. great if you can't use your words. Sometimes you just can't communicate. You're, maybe you're a little embarrassed or you're shy or the tapping- Or you're really aroused. Or you're very aroused, yes. <laughs> uh, because sometimes, yeah, I feel like you're over, you're, you're, you're like, this is amazing. And you want to communicate that. And tapping, I think we've talked about that before as just a means to, to uh, reach your partner. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you're, I think you talk about in your book, the women's anatomy arousal is the different modalities of touch, the, you know, healing touch, or was it healing, was it healing therapeutic touch, loving touch, uh, sensual touch and sexual touch. And, and I've heard that broken down by other folks in other ways, like sexual touch can also be broken down into these other avenues and any any, at any rate, I think that it kind of coincides with what you're talking about. What, what do those type of touch, the types of touch mean to me? What does it look like? Like my loving touch might be different from your loving touch. And what's a time when I want that? How long do I want it for? What is the, you know, the pressure? And there's just that I love what you're saying that for partners to um, not make assumptions that we should know everything about each other and that we are on the same page and to do these experiments to get a greater understanding of what these this types of touch um, means to one another. You know, there's so many ways that we can learn with a partner. And I, I think we need that framework that we're in a learning relationship together, not that they should know um, or we should know how to please them. And then I think that Within that framework of learning together, there's so many things we can do. The basic show and tell is always great. Ooh, genital show and tell? (laughs) A little show and tell where you show your partner, this is how I like my vulva touched. Mm -hmm. When I'm pleasuring myself, this is what I do. I start here and then just like you were talking about on those videos, except you're doing it, um, you know, one-on-one with a partner Mm -hmm. and showing them. Um, And then you can have a return demo where you they they you show them this kind of touch and then they try and do that and and then hopefully you know how to give them a positivity sandwich feedback which is she 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 calls I use that and she calls it a shit sandwich I love the I love what you positivity that's a bit more optimistic yeah well it's another part of the skill where you can say thanks Oh, that's great. That's really close to what I'm hoping for. And I love that you're you're trying this with me. And it would work even better if you did a little softer. Or I notice as you get more excited that you start doing it harder. And what would work for me is if we you just kept the same pressure. And can we try that again? And thank you so much. And yes, now you've got it. So how to give feedback. And it can also be erotic, right? We can make that sexy. We can say, you know, like, I would love it if you would start at my little toe and take five minutes to work your way up my leg. Like, really, that would be such a turn on, baby. Oh, my God. I would love Ooh. that. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's a way of asking for something or giving feedback. That's part of the turn on. And those are all skills. And most of us don't have them. They're not necessarily easy to learn. It takes time. It's a lifetime project. But what fun is, what, what more fun can you have in your lifetime learning project than learning how to give uh, a partner even more pleasure. Mm-hmm. So. 
I agree with all of that. I yeah, I just as you're speaking, I'm like, okay, yeah, I learned that. I learned that from Sherry. I learned that from Sherry, like indirectly from reading your book. Like, oh yeah, I've been quoting your book from <laughs> so much of what I teach. Um, so I'm so happy to have you here. So um we talked about this. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to give one more, which is because we're talking about women's anatomy of arousal. And so the the top one of the top tips I would say is if you own that equipment read the book or at least go to my website and look at some of the blog posts or or take the online class or do something so that you have a map um if you have those parts of what's there how it connects and that's going to help you pleasure yourself so much better and if you partner with somebody who owns that equipment read the book get the map and it's just going to make it so much easier because you are going to be working with that accurate map and then it's going to be congruent with the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, well, I was going to say that. So the, so there's the women's anatomy arousal, there's succulent sex craft. And uh, in our, in our intro, we kind of explained the difference between the two, but they can buy these from your website. And we also have them at pure pleasure shop too. Um, so you can order them there. Cause it, we, I always, women's anatomy arousal is always in stock at pure pleasure. Cause it's one of the number one books that we're <laughs> referencing when we're talking about female sexuality. What is your, um, can you tell us about the online workshop that you offer to on your website and then remind our listeners what your website is, how they can find you? So I actually have um, seven online courses and three online classes um, that cover a variety of subjects, but the Female Anatomy is a course, four-session course, and it's a recorded uh, video class with not just me talking, but also lots and lots of my anatomy drawings so that you really see everything and, you know, overlays and you really can understand where it is. Um, there's a class on uh, orgasmic abundance. Um, there's a class on the connections between birth and sex, for example, if somebody's, you know, uh, pregnant or thinking about having a child at some point. That's a very useful one to understand. Um, so yeah, so there's a whole bunch of those and uh, the classes are usually about an hour, hour and a half and the courses are mostly three or four sessions that are each an hour, hour and a half. And so you can get that and watch it at your own pace, share it with a partner, watch it again, like that. So those intimate, are all there. Intimateartscenter.com intimateartcenter.com. Exactly right. Oh, and I'll say one other thing, which is just a new thing that we're doing, which is um, started something called Winston Wellbeing. And that's um, because I'm a medical practitioner, I have a portal into a uh, supplement company that also has uh, beauty care products and, and things like MCT oil and, and coconut oil. And uh, people sign up through my Winston Wellbeing portal. Uh, they get 20% discount off of uh, um, um, retail prices for all kinds of awesome things. And it's practitioner level supplements so and other cool stuff. So it's all about from the inside out, right? Doing everything, doing the work and it, making sure you have all the right tools, including supplements. It, it is. And also they carry things like Good Clean Love's Lube, which is yeah. just one of my favorite natural lubes. So it's just, it's a nice little partnership and it's a great way that I can pass on savings to, you know, so my, my friends and fans. And so you can check that out directly either at Winston Wellbeing or via my website. Awesome. Sherry, you have been such a pleasure to talk with and 
I have learned so much. I think our listeners are going to be really stoked on this episode as well. You're welcome back anytime, all the time. I would love to see you again. And now I know uh, why Amy has been referencing you so much over the years. Uh, There's a lot of juicy, awesome stuff there. So thank you. Appreciate that. You are welcome. Oh, oh, can I just say one more thing? We've of course been translating, you can. Yes. translating women's anatomy of arousal into Spanish. Oh, wait, and yeah. we are just literally finishing that. So it's going to be available in a Spanish version probably in the next month. Muchas gracias, Sherry. That's great. So for everyone, um, awesome. Well, we, I, I don't know, I, I guess we both send lots of love and thank you for your work that you're doing. So important. Uh, and if you or anyone, you know, listens to this podcast, go to iTunes, give us five stars. You can, you know, reach and hear amazing authors like Sherry talk about the anatomy of arousal and it helps other people learn and love and, you know, become empowered. So thank you all for listening. We will see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.